welcome to Bad Mouth Football Show, where we are in the third episode of our Picketeen mini-series. We are in the NFC South uh, this week with the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we've got a special guest this week. Uh, we've got me and Craig's friend, Matt Walden. Uh, hey, he's guys. a big-time right. Bucks fan, played with us at the Fury. How are we all? You all right? Good, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, yeah, really good, really good. Excited, excited. So, uh, Matt, when did you start supporting the Bucks? Now, so, I'm probably talking a good 10 years ago now, started watching the Bucks. I've got family over in Tampa, and uh, I'd gone over there, and uh, my cousin's a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, took us to uh, the stadium in a pre-season game against the New England uh, Patriots. And we ended up winning, and I just fell in love with that Buccaneers team from that moment. Not even knowing how good or bad we actually were, but we're talking a few, four or five years after the uh, Super Bowl win. Yeah, it's nice that you've not chosen a bandwagon team there, Joe. Uh, yeah, you know, well, you could have gone the other way quite easily. wouldn't have blamed you. <laughs> nice to see them watch a beat a bandwagon team. Mm. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get straight down into it. Uh, Joe, you've got the Atlanta Falcons. So you're thinking of supporting the Atlanta Falcons. Here is why you should. So Atlanta, it's one of the most famous cities in the whole of the USA. It's home of the world's busiest airport. It's the birthplace of Coca-Cola. And of course, it's where the famous Falcons are based. If you like your rap music, I'm pretty sure that's a good enough reason to support the Falcons. Atlanta is the home of hip hop and it's actually known as hip hop's center of gravity. Uh, it is based with the likes of Usher, Outkast, CeeLo Green, Migos, Childish Gambino, Future, Lil Baby, Gunner, many, many more. If you like your rap music, you'll recognise a lot of those names. If you don't, don't worry. Uh, Atlanta is also the capital of Georgia. Uh, Georgia's known as the Peach State, and it's based in the Deep South. An interesting fact, actually, I found out about Georgia whilst doing this research was that if a funeral director... So they can lose their license if they are to swear in the company of a corpse. So no swearing in front of dead people in Atlanta. If you're a funeral director, that's it. You're out of business. Uh, the Falcons were born on June 30th, 1965, becoming the NFL's 15th franchise. The name Falcons was chosen by a high school teacher. Her name, Julia Elliott, Julia Elliott who won a competition run by the team. She wrote in her little essay that she did, which is now actually on the Falcons website, it is uh, the Falcon is proud and dignified with great courage and fight. It never drops its prey. It is deadly and has a great sporting tradition. The Falcons owner, uh, initial owner, uh, ranking M. Smith Sr., he appointed Vince Lombardi's assistant, Norb Hecker, as their first head coach. In their first season, the Falcons lost nine games in a row before beating the Giants 27-16 in their 10th game. The Falcons, they were never really uh, strong playoff contenders for a long, long time. Uh, Not until 1998, 
where they had their first, where they so the best ever regular season, winning 14 games and making their first ever Super Bowl appearance, in which they came up against quarterback John Elway and the Denver Broncos. They were beating rather convincingly, with the final score being 34 to 19. They also made the Super Bowl more recently in 2016, but I will touch on that great game a little bit later. So, famous persons. Basically, what I'm going to go through is people in the past. None of these players are currently active. Just going to go through a bit of their history. I had a little research of the top five non-playing ones, and these were the ones that came up. So, number five, who is a player quite a few people know, uh, Deion Sanders. He was a defensive back. He was drafted by the Falcons in 1989 with their first round pick. A lot of people hold the opinion, actually, that he's one of the greatest defensive backs to ever play in the NFL. And he's also one of the greatest athletes ever. He played for the Falcons between 1989 and 1993, where he picked off 24 passes and scored 10 touchdowns. Sanders also played for the Atlanta Braves from 1991 to 1994. And he is the only player to ever play both a Super Bowl and a World Series which is pretty, pretty um, impressive. So then number four, I've got William Andrews, who was a running back. He was a third round pick in 1979. He played with the Falcons until his career ended pretty early in 1986. In his time, he rushed over 5,900 yards and he also scored 30 touchdowns. He played in four Pro Bowls and was one of the first NFL players to have over 2,000 yards rushing and receiving in the same seasons. So then you got Steve Barkowski. Uh, he was known as Bart. He was the first pick of the 1975 NFL draft. He won the NFL Rookie of the Year award and in, in, sorry, in 1975 and went on to play with the Falcons for 10 years. He was a two-time pro bowler and led the NFL in passing touchdowns in 1980. He is their second uh, highest passing yards quarterback there for the Falcons. Number two here, I've got uh, Jeff Van Note, who was an outside linebacker. He played for 18 years from 1969 to 1986. His 18-year tenure with the Falcons was one of the longest stints in NFL with one team. He's a five-time pro bowler. Uh, Van Note has always been a fan favourite. He's actually still active with the Falcons as well, doing a lot of radio for them. Many of them feel that their number 57 should be in the Hall of Fame, but yet still isn't. So, Mr. Falcon, uh, Tommy Nobbis, who was the first pick in 1965, and he was also the first player drafted in the Falcons' history. He won the Rookie of the Year award in 66, leading the Falcons with 294 tackles. He was a five-time pro bowler. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, isn't yet currently. He patrolled the middle of the Falcons' defence from 66 to 76. He was known to be well-respected as well by his peers, and unfortunately he passed away in December 2017. He didn't make the top five list somehow, but I do want to give a special mention to Michael Vick. He came into the league, I believe, in the early 2000s and sort of just changed the way people looked at quarterbacks, much more mobile, very, very similar to Lamar Jackson with the way he can run, throw and do pretty much everything. Very, very exciting quarterback. So going on to their current team of success. So there's been a lot of ups and downs recently for the Falcons. Since Dan Quinn took over in 2016, they've had some success, but a lot of people feel with the talent that they've had at their disposal, they should be doing a lot better than they, than they have done. Their franchise quarterback is currently Matt Ryan, who on his day is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 
he will go down as one of the greatest Falcons as well, uh, just with his stats. I think he's got 3,000 more passing yards. I can't remember what it is. He's got, no, 30,000 more passing yards than the next uh, Falcons quarterback. He has an Offensive Rookie of the Year award and also has an MVP award when he took Atlanta to the Super Bowl 51. He has a lot of weapons at his disposal, especially in wide receiver Julio Jones, who personally is my favourite receiver in the league and also, in my opinion, the best. Well, he's top three at the very least. I think a lot of people would put them in their top three, top five wide receivers. He's currently paired up with youngster Calvin Ridley, uh, making him sort of one of the most exciting wide receiver sets about. Recently, literally in the last week, the Falcons have just added a running back Todd Gurley to their roster as well which will make for a very exciting next season. Although he might not be the player he once was, he is an incredible explosive power that terrifies any defence. On the other side of the ball, uh, they've got a great linebacker in Deion Jones. He's yet to replicate his rookie season. Uh, He had an injury last season, so he's been trying to get up there. However, he was part of that defence that seriously underperformed last year. Uh, The massive, massive criticism for the Falcons, which made them well, finished seven and nine, which was obviously very underperforming for them. So uh, when it comes to the Falcons in recent times, people think of one game and one game only, uh, that being Super Bowl 51 in Houston. After thrashing the Packers in the NFC Championship, the Falcons were in great form coming into this game and they had a storming start obviously against the New England Patriots. They went out well in front. Uh, at halftime, they were 21-3 up. And with just over two minutes to go in the third quarter, they were 28-3 up. And you would have thought that that was it. The win was in the bag. No. Cue the greatest comeback slash greatest choke in sports history. I'm going to be nice and save all the details for the Falcons fans because being a Pats fan, I could just go into it. But I'm just basically going to tell you that Tom Brady and the Pats managed to get the game to 28-28 to take it into overtime. In the midst of it, there was a great catch from Julian Edelman. And I always tell people, just go watch the catch if you've never seen it before. To cut a, cut a long story short, the Pat go, Pats go and win in overtime, completing the comeback. And this is, yeah, a night that every single Falcons fan will want to forget. So when you look into famous fans with Atlanta... You can't really look much further than the rappers. Uh, you've got the th- three biggest down here. I've got Usher, Ludacris, and also Big Boy, who performed at the Super Bowl in Atlanta in Super Bowl 53. So why do we support the Falcons? Uh, they're, obviously, they've been around for a while, but they haven't had too much going in the past. They've got a lot of exciting players around them. The Deep South, Atlanta it's an interesting place, but it's a place that would be exciting to go and visit. They've never won the Super Bowl, so if you support them that first time, it would be great to be a fan. And yeah, that's about it really with the Falcons. Any question? Do you think they go back to the Super Bowl? What, next year or just in... Uh, in, in the future with like Julio and Matt Ryan and that? I think they can. I still stand to it. I think Matt Ryan, as I said, on his day, MVP season, he was unstoppable. And Julio Jones is just a different breed. If they're going to do it, though, they're, they're going to need to do it soon. They're going to have to fix that, make sure that defence is fixed up and go for it in the next couple couple years because, you know, Matt Ryan is getting on a bit. I know he's not too old. I think he's, what, mid-30s? He yeah, came in in, what, 2008, I think. Yeah, so they've they've got to fix it faster they're going to because it's going to be tough to find another Matt Ryan afterwards 
How many first round draft picks will this starting lineup have next year on offense? How many first round draft picks? It's a loaded question. I read this earlier. They've got 10 first round draft picks on their offense. Blimey. That's a lot. That's a team that should be doing a lot better. Do you think we'll see the Falcons of the first half of last season or the Falcons of the second half of last season? I hope the second. What do you think about Dan Quinn? Do you think he's the problem? I don't think so, no, because he's had that success in the past. And I think they did manage to... Last year they had a coach and they got... Didn't know Dan Quinn was running the defence, wasn't he? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he only just just gave up the offence. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. I think because he's he's done it with them in the past, I wouldn't say he's the problem, but I'd probably say give him one more year because... It is one of those where, as I said earlier, they're going to need to do something quick if they want any sort of success soon. All right, cool. On to Tim with the New Orleans Saints. Now when the Saints go marching in, now when the Saints go marching in, yes, I want to be. In that number, I win the Saints. New Orleans Saints. They're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. They've always been the Saints, and they've always been the New Orleans team. They were actually secretly born in a backroom deal brought by a congressman, a senator, and NFL then NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle. The NFL needed congressional approval for the AFL-NFL merger, and so the deal breaker was that New Orleans got the team. Uh, the name derives from the song associated with New Orleans, When the Saints Go Marching In. I'm not going to sing it. Craig might. Uh, most listeners will only know the Saints from their recent history, success of the Sean Payton and Drew Brees era. I'll go into them later. Saints' early days were far from successful. In 1980, the Saints lost their first 14 games, prompting local sports broadcaster Buddy D. Diliberto to advise Saint fans to wear paper bags over their heads to home team, team's home games. Uh, the many bags rendered the club's name as the Aints rather than the Saints. Things began to change when their owner, Tom Benson, took over the team in 1985. He hired Jim Mora's coach. Uh, during Mora's tenure, the Saints made the playoffs four times, with teams marked by strong defences led by what was known as the Dome Patrol linebacking corps, but they were never able to win a playoff. Mora coached the Saints until the middle of 1996 season, when he stepped down halfway through the 3-13 and season. His 93 wins were three more than the Saints won in the entire history prior to his arrival and will remain the most by any Saints coach until 2016. 2009 season was a historic one for the Saints. Uh, they won a franchise record 13 games and they defeated the Indianapolis Colts 31-17 in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's their only Super Bowl championship they won and it's the only one the Saints have appeared in. So they joined the Jets and the Bucks as the only three NFL teams to win their lone Super Bowl appearance. So famous players and staff, uh, reflecting the age of the team, the Saints have only got three true Hall of Famers. There are other players in the Hall of Fame that as Saints, but they made the reputation of other teams. So famous players, they've got Ricky Jackson. He was a linebacker from 81 to 93. Uh, if you think of the defensive stats for the Saints, and check with Jackson Racks in Saints history. He's first in forced fumbles, recovered fumbles, sacks, uh, 
and 15 career takedowns to his credit. He was a six-time Pro Bowler, greatest player in Saints history for a very long time. And he was the team's first Hall of Famer and someone who young football players grew up idolizing in the Gulf South. Then you got Willie Rove. He gave Saints uh, seven straight Pro Bowls. That's not enough. His two listings as a first-team All-Pro, and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as one of the greatest uh, O-linemen ever. Then the other linebacker in the Hall of Fame is Sam Mills. Uh, he was, again, part of the Dome Patrol linebackers. Uh, he was small. He was listed at five foot nine and 229 pounds. Made up what he lacked in physical gifts with tremendous on-field attitude and rare comprehension of the game. He had four Pro Bowl trips. And the, the other Pro Bowl player they've got is kicker Morton Anderson. He was the last Saint to enter the Hall of Fame. He had a scoring record of 1,318 points. And he had six Pro Bowls and a pair of All-Pro nods. His single-season field goal record, 26-30 of 30 in 1986, which is 86.7%, stood unchallenged until Will Lutz broke it last season. Uh, one famous player is actually more famous for his children was Archie Manning. He was quarterback from 71 to 82. Uh, he's one of the players that everyone's always talked about what if because he played on some terrible teams. He was a really good quarterback, but didn't have the team around him. And if you just look at his two sons, you know, it's a big, big what if. And then finally, you've got Joe Horn, wide receiver from 2000 to 2006. Uh, his career lasted only 102 games. Uh, he didn't fit in well with the team being built by Sean Payton. He was a productive wideout, constantly threatened defences vertically, ranks third all-time with 7,622 receiving yards. So, current team, 2006, historic year for the City of New Orleans and the Saints. Saints returned to the Superdome after repairs following the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. It was also the first year of a new head coach called Sean Payton and a new free agent quarterback named Drew Brees. Uh, it's actually worth noting that Miami could have signed Drew Brees turned him down and chose Dante Culpepper instead. We all know how that ended up. So, Breeze, greatest player in the history of New Orleans Saints. He's 41 years old and still going strong. 41's not that old. Uh, so during the Saints, Breeze has led all NFL quarterbacks in touchdown, passing yards, and 300-yard games. Breeze holds NFL records for career pass completions, career completion percentage, career passing yards, and career touchdown passes. He's also second in regular season career pass attempts, third in regular season career passer rating, and fourth in, in postseason career passer rating. So he's pretty good. Uh, made Pro Bowl 13 times. He was the NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2004 and was MVP of the Super Bowl that they won. And Sports Illustrated named Breeze its 2010 Sportsman of the Year. Sean Payton, in 1988, he played for the Leicester Panthers of the professional UK Budweiser National League. Uh, he landed the starting quarterback role of the Panthers. He began his coaching career as an offensive assistant for San Diego State University and several other assistant coaching positions on college and NFL teams before being named as their 10th full-time coach in 2006. He was actually suspended for the entire 2012 NFL season. Uh, due to his involvement in the Bounty Gate scandal, where bounties were allegedly played for contact that would knock down specific players. Uh, under Peyton, they've been pretty successful. 
Under Peyton's leadership, the Saints made the 2006 NFL playoffs after a disappointing 3-13 season. 2005 advanced to their first NFC Championship appearance in franchise history. Because of this, Peyton won the NFL Coach of the Year award. Following the 2009 season, Saints won the first Super Bowl championship in franchise history. Since joining the Saints as head coach, he's helped to guide the team to three NFC championship games in 2006, 2009 and 2018. Appearance in the Super Bowl and eight total playoff berths with six division titles. He's the most successful coach in Saints history. Michael Thomas, possibly the best receiver in the NFL, played college football for Ohio State. Holds the NFL record for most receptions by a player for his first four seasons with 470, along with most receptions by a player in a single season with 149. Alvin Kamara played college football at the University of Tennessee, drafted by the Saints in the third round of the 2017 draft. 2019 was meant to be a huge year for him after Mark Ingram left, where he was affected by injuries. Uh, he's exciting to watch and a threat as a runner and a receiver. Taysom Hill, he's another exciting player, undrafted. He's listed as a backup quarterback, but he's played in four offensive skill positions on both sides of the ball on special teams, including as a team's kick returner. Uh, such versatility has earned him a reputation on the NFL's most unique players and nicknamed the Human Swiss Army Knife. Cam Jordan, on the other side of the ball, defensive end for the Saints, college football at California. He was drafted by the Saints in the first round of the 2011 draft. Uh, he's gone into his ninth season. The Saints signed him to a three-year, 52.5 million contract extension, with 42 million of that guaranteed, keeping him under contract till 2023. Uh, thanked him with 15 and a half sacks last year, career high. So it's pretty simple why you should uh, support the Saints. They're one of the most exciting teams in the NFL to watch and then one of the most exciting cities in America and a weekend in New Orleans is something to be experienced. Do you think they're going to let Drew Brees retire or they're going to um, end up just releasing him? I think they'll let him retire. I think he's more to that city than just a player. It's not like that other joker that just left his team and went somewhere else. Um, he's done more for the city and he's associated with the Saints, especially coming through Katrina and everything the Saints did to get that city back back to its feet. Will, um, with, when the time does come for Drew Brees to, to move on, do you think it will be a massive hit to the Saints or do you think Sean Payton is that good of a coach? It will be quite a smooth transition. It's a tough one because he's a much better quarterback than Brady. And you're going to see this season which one means the most to the team. But I think with Breeze and Peyton, they're a good team together. So it's going to be a tough one to see. Are the Saints the Vikings of this division where they always seem to get there or thereabouts, but then something just seems to go horribly wrong at the last minute? Yes. Simple, <laughs> simple answer. That that's that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant comparison. All right, cool. On to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
So uh, the Bucks were founded in 1976 as one of the expansion teams uh, who came in with the Seattle Seahawks. They actually played the first year in the AFC West, um, where, they, where they were the first team to go winless in NFL history. Uh, and then they moved to the NFC Central uh, with the Seahawks and them just swapped. And that was in order for every, they had to play every single team in the league in the first two years. So I don't know why they did that, but they did. Uh, and then they only recorded their first win on their 27th franchise game, uh, going 0-26 in their first two seasons. Um, the head coach that actually lost the first game to them, who was Hank Stram from New Orleans, uh, he was fired when they lost the game to the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks would eventually wind up in the NFC South, though, uh, after the 2002 expansion. Uh, they were purchased by a gentleman called Hugh Culverhouse, uh, who was a wealthy tax attorney from Jacksonville. Uh, he was originally actually trying to purchase the Rams, um, and he had a handshake deal, but the NFL didn't go along with it, and they ended up selling it to someone else. Uh, this did lead Culverhouse to filing lawsuits against the NFL um, as uh, for conspiring to uh, conspiring against the purchase to prevent a purchase, I guess. Uh, and as part of that settlement, he got priority for the next franchise that would be available, hence why he's ended up with the Buccaneers. Um, their first couple of years weren't great, but then they did enjoy really good success from 1979 uh, through to 1982. Uh, and they kind of made a name for themselves as a very defense-heavy team, much like the, the Ravens and the Bears. Uh, they got two division titles and then a wild card berth in 1982. Uh, but that would be the last book's winning season uh, until Hugh Culverhouse, the owner, died uh, in 1994, uh, just over 20 years later. Uh, Culverhouse created one of the most profitable franchises in the 1980s, but he did this by having extraordinarily low salaries and costs and things, so it didn't have a, a very positive reputation, and it resulted in the Bucks having uh, a team where they couldn't really afford the best players because he didn't want to spend any money. Uh, games were even blacked out on local TV in like Tampa Bay area. So uh, it sh shows the, the lack of uh, influence they had. Uh, his reputation also extended to players where Bo Jackson famously got drafted by them first overall, uh, but he refused to play for a team owned by Culverhouse due to personal differences. So he, he went and played baseball for a bit until he got um, traded. Uh, in 1994, Malcolm Glazer purchased uh, the team after Culverhouse died. Um, it was a surprise bid. People weren't expecting him to, uh, but he won the auction for $192 million. Uh, the Glazers obviously famously own um, own or owned, I don't actually know, Man United, uh, but they invested very heavily in the team. Uh, the, the, the dad gave it to the three sons financially. Uh, and in 1996, two years later, they hired Tony Dungy. Uh, and this is where the Bucks kind of left their famous creamsicles uniform that have gone down very nostalgically of a, a lovely pale orange uh, and onto the, the more modern looking jersey that we have today. Uh, Tim, uh, Tony Dungy led the Bucks kind of poorly at the beginning. They, they were still struggling to find their feet, um, but they did. They successfully drafted through the 90s really well, actually. Uh, and the cover two play style they ran uh, was given the nickname Tampa 2, which is uh, a famous defensive um, scheme even to this day that people still run. So they're, they're Tony Dungy's the original original Tampa 2 maker. Um, he made the wild cards in 1997, 2000, and 2001, uh, and won a divisional championship in 1999. 
um, following their third early exit from the, the wild card rounds, uh, Tony Dungy was fired. Uh, and then famously in history, the Glazers traded the Raiders for John Gruden. Uh, and they traded him for two first round picks and two second round picks. Uh, so a pretty extortionate amount. Uh, he's a bit under the table trying to get Gruden there. Uh, and the NFL then banned trading coaches for draft picks after this because of the the ridiculous cost. Gruden immediately took the books uh, on their best franchise ever, though. Uh, in 2002, the books would go to the Super Bowl and play Gruden's ex-team, the Raiders. Uh, the books would go on to win this Super Bowl, referred to as the Pirate Bowl. Uh, and the 2002 team is renowned as one of the best defenses of all time, kind of put up there with... Uh, the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears, uh, the 2015 Broncos, those kind of teams. Um, they got nine interceptions in the playoffs alone uh, and in the Super Bowl against the Raiders' number one the kind of offense. They got three pick sixes, which was more than the, the Raiders' offense even managed to score. So a, a thorough handling too. Um, since then, Same though... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, since then, though, the... the the 2008 when Gruden left, they've kind of gone through a, a various carousel of coaches. None really stuck. Uh, Bruce Arians is the current coach. I think he's been going into his third season now, I believe, um, as he came out of retirement to work with uh, Jimmy Swinston. Uh, and there are a lot of very high hopes uh, going into the season for um, certain reasons we'll get to in just a bit. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're in probably one of the toughest divisions uh, right now. So, um, it's going to be a, a, an interesting interesting one, the NFC South. Uh, star players, we're going to start with Leroy Salmon. Salmon or Salmon, I don't know. Uh, nine, played from 1976 to 84. Uh, he was the first ever pick for the Bucks. Uh, joined his brother Dewey on the team. Uh, very highly re- regarded defensive end. Um, was named the Defensive Player of the Year in 1979. He only played nine seasons because of back issues, but he was named onto Pro Football Fame's all-time 3-4 defense. And his number has been retired by the Bucks. Uh, number 99, Warren Sapp, probably the most famous one. Uh, played from 1995 to 2004 as a D-tackle. Uh, Hall of Famer, uh, 12th overall. People thought he would go higher, but um, there were drug rumors going around, like cocaine and marijuana rumors. Uh, and then Sapp alleges these were just just false uh, and trying to basically um, make him drafted lower. Uh, and they had no truth behind them, so that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, on that, that Tampa 2 defense, Sapp was one of the, the main anchors. Uh, obviously, the 2002 team he was in, um, one of the best three-tech defensive tackles ever. He's uh, second overall in defensive tackle sacks at his retirement. So uh, he's, he's he's got all the records. Uh, he left for the Raiders in 2004. Uh, and uh, his number 99 has been retired by the Bucks. Next, we've got Derek Brooks, who was uh, number 55 linebacker, played again starting in 95 with Sapp uh, and uh, playing in 2008. So I think if you get two Hall of Fame defensive studs in one draft, you're doing pretty well. Uh, he's an 11-time Pro Bowler, and he went to the All. He's All Pro nine times, which is just insane numbers. Uh, all with the Bucks, uh, Defensive Player of the Year in the 2002 team, uh, where he was part of that top defense again. Uh, voted to the All-Time 2000s Decade Team, and he's a Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, he's the, the third and final Hall of Famer for the Bucks. A um, couple more to talk about. We've got Rondé Barber, who played from 97 to 2012 as a defensive back, normally cornerback. Um, he holds the NFL record for a starting uh, defensive back. 
uh, and he is the only player in the NFL with 45 interceptions and 25 sacks. Uh, he's feared as one of the best pass-rushing defensive backs in NFL history, uh, and he retired as the active leader in defensive touchdowns and defensive back sacks. Uh, and finally, uh, John Lynch uh, played from 93 to 2003. Again, one, one of the main parts of that team and just known as one of the, the hardest-hitting safeties. Uh, but yeah, that's all the star players. Matt, do you want to kind of g- give everyone a breakdown of what's happened with the Bucks in the, the past couple of years? Well, yeah. So um, now, so last couple of years, probably been the biggest transition we've had. Um, we were not doing great. Every season was... Uh, losing seasons, we couldn't get going. Um, this was under uh, um, his name, Dirk Cota. Yeah, that was for what three seasons, and we we struggled under him. Um, we brought up a few good draft picks along the way, which has kind of helped us get to where we are now. Um, oh yeah, the likes of um, Devin White last year. Being the main one, brilliant, brilliant linebacker, great one there. Uh, Vita Vale, Ronald Jones, OJ Howard, year before that. Um, so the draft has helped us well. Um, we've managed to get two of the best wide receivers, in my opinion, in the entire league, in Chris Godwin and Evans. Between them last year, they were just phenomenal. I mean, we know what Winston was like with the 30 plus interceptions, the 30 plus touchdowns, but. Those two wide out were unbelievable and they were both injured towards the back end of the year. And to have Perriman come in and do the job that he did as well was brilliant. And, well, we know the we know what's happened recently in terms of Mr. Brady coming over to the Bucks. I mean, I mean, it's a dream for us, especially after having such an unreliable quarterback in Winston for so many years. But now you've got... The goat or one of the goats to, to ever play the game, um, and with the wide receiver core that he's got there, it's just going to be—it's so much, so so exciting. Um, decent defense in there as well. I think we need to strengthen up on secondary, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a season to look forward to. When was it? Obviously, because you were a big fan of Jamis. When was it that you lost kind of the faith? Oh, it's. There was always hope. I think. I think even now, even though we know we've got Brady, and there's still a little bit of hope for him. The fact he can just get rid of the interceptions from his game. He, we we know how well he can throw the ball, and he's just so mistake prone. You go into every drive on edge, thinking, "Oh, we're going to get an unbelievable play here, or we're just going to get something that you're going to hold your hands, head in your hands for five, ten seconds." And you're probably talking halfway through last year. It was, I'm pretty sure I messaged you, Adam, around the time. I think I asked the question on one of the podcasts and I was like, is he ever going to get it out? Because I just couldn't, I couldn't see it happening and he never did. So I think it's the right time now. We need to look forward to having Brady in there. I think a smart move might be even to go in the draft early and get a QB this year. He's got a, he's got a no trade clause though for two years, isn't it? He has, yeah, he has. And I think it'll be brilliant to have that. But I think going into this draft and getting a quarterback, you're giving, you're giving a young quarterback the time with Brady for two years to go in there and learn the game from him. I think that's, I think that's invaluable information for a quarterback to learn. I think it could be a good idea. Do you think you can piece together an O-line 
that'll keep him keep Brady safe and look after him the way he sort of needs to be looked after because he's not the most mobile. He's not the best when it comes to pressure. Yeah. Like, do you think they can put a good enough O line together to protect him to allow him to do his thing and exploit the receivers he has? I think it'll be tough. I do think it'll be very tough. I mean, for years and years we've struggled with an O line. I mean, I, I mean, it's half probably the reason that Winston struggled so much. Um, but look, we've got a great receiver core, great quarterback in there. I think if the O line can just step up that little bit more, they're playing in front of Tom Brady. I mean, that's if that's not enough to get you going, I don't know what is. So you have to be faithful in there and think that we're going to be able to do something offensively. If the whole team stays fit. Uh, what like what are you expecting from next year? I mean, how, yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say, how far do you think you can go? Like, what sort of records are you looking at? I mean, I, I, first thing I did was look on Skybet and have a look at what uh, <laughs> what it was for us to win the Super Bowl. It was sixteen to one. I thought, well, that might be worth a fiver. But um, I'm, I mean, if we get playoffs. I'll be happy. It'd be, it'd be nice for us to actually just go into the playoffs for the first time in a long, long time. Um, and then who knows? You never know from there, do you? I mean, playoffs is the aim for me. And I know it might be a small aim knowing who we've got going in there, but it's still, we've got, we've still got our challenges in O-Long. We've still got our challenges in the secondary. Those are still there. You can't avoid those. So rather you got Tom. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Sounds so sad. <laughs> it is sad. It is sad. But as I said, there's no better team he could have gone to. No, I first. think I think he hasn't had many weapons, has he, in uh, in New England for a while in the wide receiver position like he used to have. I mean, going in and having Evans and Godwin to throw to is surely a quarterback's dream. Yeah, I definitely. Between them last year, nearly two and a half thousand yards is just phenomenal. Who do you think, uh, I don't know if you've been following college at all, but have, have you got any idea of who you want in the draft or anything? Um, there was a quarterback who I'd seen. This is what I'd mentioned about the quarterback. Um, was it Julian Love? Not Julian. It's a bit Love. Jordan. 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 I would have to have a look. So you've got what? Love, Herbert, and then the big two. I think it might have been Jordan Love. Yeah, I think it was, because I think you were talking to me about it the other day. Yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, the the idea from probably the, the draft reports I've seen is that with Brady going in there, we switched the whole thing around and went in with QB first, as I've said before, for them to learn the game from Brady. I think it's a smart move to do that. Do you not think they, with the Brady signing all in, though, and they'll go for another position and just trying to win the Super Bowl in the two years or whatever he's got left, rather than yeah. going for a quarterback? Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. I think that's a sensible way of looking at it. But I think yeah. they're just going to go, right, we've got two years with this idiot. Let's try and win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, why not? I mean, it's Tom Brady, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you say the name, everyone knows who he is. It's... Do you go him out there and let him take over the team, let him do what he's been doing for years and years and years? Or, I mean, Bruce is the head coach in there, mm-hmm. Bruce Evans. He's, we know how good of a coach he is. Like, see what he did with Carson Palmer. He, I, I think it's, I think it's a good year for us. I hope for a fact that we go to a Super Bowl and win it. 
But I mean, as a box fan for all these years, you don't get you don't get too <laughs> over the top just in case. It's in Tampa as well, isn't it, this year? So yeah. that would be Yeah, like, yeah, uh... exactly. So it could be written for him. Right, we don't know how much the NFL likes to rig it towards Tom Brady as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no deflating balls over here, though, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, and finally, Matt, why why should they support the Bucks? Well, I mean, Tampa Bay, Florida, most beautiful state in America, in my opinion. Um, I, the, the stadium in Tampa is such a beautiful stadium. Uh, going in there and having the cannon fire off in, inside the grey when you get touched down. I mean, for me, there's nothing like being a Bucks fan. you ever got the chance to go over there and see that stadium, Oof. go over. Beautiful. All right. Thank you for that, Matt. Cheers, uh, finally, Craig, Carolina Panthers. Well, Steve, what's happening in the huddle on that last drive? Hey, we're just preparing. They look like they were hoping to win, hoping to make a play. We knew we were going to make a play. Uh, Cam did a great job. What you're seeing right now is watching uh, a young, great quarterback develop and becoming that. And uh, Carolina Panthers came out with a win. What happened on the touchdown? Uh, poor tackling. <laughs> what happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. Keep pounding the Carolina Panthers. Uh, born in 1993 but not joining the league until 1995 as part of a two-team expansion with the Jacksonville Jaguars Uh, took the NFL to 30 teams nice even round number Um, they're the fourth youngest franchise in the NFL Um, they are called the Panthers because uh, Jerry Richardson, Mark, uh, the owner, Mark Richardson's son. So uh, he picked that nickname because he thought it signified what a pro football team should be, which is powerful, sleek, and strong. Uh, it's also an animal that's all sort of a, quite legendary in that area. They used to have uh, like cougars and what was known as the Eastern Panther in that area, but because of habitat loss and everything else, it was sort of. You know, they became a. They still claim to have sightings of them today. They, they, they think they're extinct, but they still claim that there's sightings around, and it's a bit of a legendary sort of folklore in the area. So um, that's that's sort of where the the nickname came from. Um, based on the east coast of the USA, playing out of Charlotte, North Carolina, a state known for its barbecue, seafood, moonshine, <laughs> and its national parks. So you know, a little bit of everything. That's you know, surely there's something there that's that's up, up your street. Uh, it was also the birthplace of Pepsi Cola and Krispy Kreme. You know, we all know I love my scran, so I have to throw that in there. You know, that certainly caught my attention. Um, and was also where the Wright brothers carried out the first successful flight. Um, Carolina's also known for quite a few of its other sports teams. It's quite, it's quite, uh, NASCAR is quite popular there. It's also, you know, one of the homes of NASCAR racing, but it's um, also the home of the Charlotte Hornets in the NBA and the NHL team, the Carolina Hurricanes. So if you you like your good food and you like your variety of American sports, the, the Panthers could very well be the NFL team for you. You know, sounds like it could be a good place to visit if you want to do, do the trio of sports while you're over there. Uh, it's people are also famously renowned for being like super friendly I mean like compared to you know you tend to hear this about a lot of other cities but these people are really well known for being quite quite sound like sounds like a nice place to go anyway moving on um, the Panthers in my opinion have got one of the better looking uniforms in the NFL uh, they wear blue silver a black and white colour scheme um, their home get up it's a, like a, they call it Panther Blue it's their own blue uh, with black pants and a blue trim 
They've also got a white away jersey and a black alternate jersey. Um, fun fact about the jersey is the Panthers blue is supposed to be a blend of UNC blue and the blue of the Duke Blue Devils, which are the two sort of colleges that are associated with that main region. It's a, it's a combination of the two. Uh, anyway, moving on from that, uh, the Panthers, they've got two NFC championships to their name and six divisional championships. But uh, so far, Super Bowl has eluded them uh, in their short history anyway. Uh, but the Panthers, when they did start off, they did hit the ground running. Uh, in 1995, they uh, managed to reach the NFC title game uh, in just the second year. And, uh, you know, they fell just short of the Super Bowl that year, but they did knock out the Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round. You know, we, we all like to see the Cowboys go out uh, before bowing out themselves in the next round. You know, this was a, a pretty big achievement at the time. It took the Saints 20 years to get a winning season, and it took the Atlanta Falcons 13 years to reach the playoffs. So it's not a bad start, considering it was only the second season. Uh, the Panthers, they, they start each game by uh, pounding a giant drum and they invite like famous fans or they, like, uh, like local people and stuff as guests of honour to pound the drum before the game, which is, you know, I think it's a nice way to get the fans involved. Um, keep pounding became a sort of team mantra. Um, it all came about because of a former player, one that Tim mentioned earlier, Sam Mills, who I'll talk a little bit more about later. Uh, he used the phrase to fire up his teammates prior to a playoff game against the Cowboys in 2004, which, uh, you know, the the, in the the Panthers ended up winning that game. It was a big, big, big game for him, big moment for him. Um, but he gave this speech three months after he had been diagnosed with cancer and told he only had three months to live. So, you know, it was sort of, it was a big emotional moment for him and, and sort of words to come from him to really fire up the guys. Um, okay, so moving on to famous players and coaches. Uh, number one, starting off the big one, Cam Newton, quarterback, uh, had a career spanning from 2011 to just recently, uh, just the other week in 2020, yeah. Uh, wore the number one, played his college ball at Florida and Auburn, and was drafted uh, as the first overall pick in the 2011 draft. He was a Heisman winner. Uh, he won Rookie of the Year that year and went on to become a three-time Pro Bowler. And in 2015, he became the first and only Panther to win an NFL MVP. Um, he became the first NFL rookie to pass for 400 yards in his first appearance and the first to throw for 4,000 yards in his rookie season. Uh, as well as 14 touchdowns in a single season. Uh, that's rushing touchdowns. Uh, he, Newton's, he's been the face of the franchise for as, as, as long as people can remember. You know, he's, he's their most standout player. He was one of the faces of the NFL, the faces of this team. And he's really sort of one of the players to, to shape this team to, and its reputation to being what it is. You know, him, him leaving recently, just the other day, um, it's be, you know it was such big news that it even made the BBC news, which surprised me because it's not often you tend to see NFL headlines over here. Uh, anyway, moving on, uh, second famous Panther I've got down on my list is Julius Peppers, uh, defensive end. Uh, played from 2002 to 2018, Warder number 90. He played his college ball in North Carolina and was drafted second, drafted second overall by the Panthers in 2002. Um, his NFL career lasted 17 seasons, 10 with the Panthers, 4 with the Bears and 3 with the Packers. Um, he ranks 4th in NFL history with 159.5 sacks, 97 of them with Carolina, which is a franchise record. Uh, he also had 11 interceptions. He was the only player to reach uh, both 150 sacks and 10 interceptions. 
He played 266 of a possible 272 games, which makes him rank sixth by a defensive player in NFL history. That's quite quite a lengthy streak. Uh, now, it wasn't just all sacks with Peppers. Uh, he finished his career with 21 fumble recoveries, which is the most in the NFL. Second most forced fumbles with 51, which was one behind Robert Mathis's record of 52. Blocked 13 kicks, which is the second most since 2000, when the stat actually started being tracked and recorded 897 tackles. That's quite a lot of tackles. <laughs> Third on my list is Steve Smith, senior wide receiver, personal favourite of mine. Um, had a career spanner from 2001 to 2016, warder number 89. He played his college ball in Utah, played 13 seasons with the Panthers, and is their all-time leader in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, total touchdowns, scrimmage yards, all-purpose yards, and 100 yards receiving games. Uh, finishing, uh, finished his career ranked eighth in the NFL uh, for receiving yards. He had 14,731 yards and only one of 14 players with over 1,000 career receptions. Uh, known for a small stature, he's only 5'9", but he's uh, also known for being what he was at the time when he was playing one of the toughest in the league, and he had a smart mouth. Uh, he was popular off the field as he was on it. Uh, a legend with both the Panthers and the Ravens. Uh, some of his most memorable moments were his touchdown, cast in, touchdown catch in 2009 against the Giants, where he broke his arm, but then continued to play score a touchdown and then do a little dance in the end zone afterwards. So, you know, it, even though he broke his arm, it didn't really seem to bother him too much. Um, another one, 69-yard touchdown in the double overtime game against the Rams in 2003. It was a divisional round to win the game. And it, finally, a personal favourite moment of mine was the ice-up sun moment. Um, Jordan, arguably one of the greatest performers the Panthers has ever done against the Patriots on... Thursday night football in 2013, Smith and the New England cornerback Keep to Leave squared off and got pretty heated between the two, exchanging words. They got into a bit of fisty cuffs on the field, a little bit of a little bit of a scuffle. Anyway, after the game, Smith was asked what was going on with Talib because um, Talib in this game did go off. I think eventually he was he had a hip injury or something. Uh, and Smith, being the NFL's equivalent of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, when asked on the mic what had happened, it was, and I quote, go ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. And a legendary meme was born from there. <laughs> um, moving on from Smith, uh, another famous Panther, uh, Luke Keekley. Uh, his career spanned from 2012 to 2020, number 59. He played his college ball out of Boston. Seven-time Pro Bowler, NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2013 with a league high uh, 164 tackles that season. Uh, he led the league in tackles his first three seasons. Famously retired at the age of 28 back in January. Uh, this made a lot of headlines, not only because of his potentially Hall of Fame career being cut short so early, um, but because of why, the decision why he decided to to retire. You know, he had suffered a lot of serious concussions over his final three seasons and with all the information out and about now about CTE and concussions and brain injuries and things, uh, he decided to put his health first and, and retire, um, which, you know, it made a lot of news, made a lot of headlines, but in my opinion was a, a smart decision and I respect him for it. Shame to see him go, though. He really was a great player. Uh, moving on from there, Sam Mills, who, um, who Tim mentioned earlier, linebacker, 
He had quite a long career, 1983 to 1997, and wore the number 51. He's also known as the original Packer, the original Panther, sorry. Uh, he won two USFL championships before coming to the NFL, and he joined the Saints, as Tim said earlier. Uh, was part of that famous Dome Patrol defense, five-time pro bowler. But moving on from there, he, he played three seasons with the Panthers, became a big presence there. Um, posted 331 tackles with Jordan his time at the Panthers. Uh, you know, it was quite a lot of tackles, and he was only there for three seasons. Unfortunately, his time was cut short, and he did retire. Uh, Mills, unfortunately, passed away from intestinal cancer in 2005, but his impact continues to this day, as I said earlier, because of the, the pound and the drum and the speech he gave while he was a coach there at the time. Uh, he's also both in the Panthers and the Saints Hall of Fame, so quite, quite the influential character. Uh, another famous Panther, uh, still playing at the moment, Christian McCaffrey, also known as C-Mac, running back, wears the number 22, played his college ball at Stanford University and was drafted by the Panthers in 2017 with the eighth overall pick. Uh, he still holds, the, still holds the NCAA all-purpose yard record in a season, which was 3,864, that is quite a lot of yards. Uh, and holds numerous Panthers records already, considering he's not been playing there very long. Uh, he's also one of the few members of the 1,000-1,000 club. That's 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving yards in a single season. Uh, and he's probably the, the the best player at the moment. Um, I can't think of anyone else who come to mind who I'd say he was better than C-Mac. He was arguably one of the top three running backs in the league last year, if not the best. Um, current team at the moment... So other than Christian McCaffrey, who I've just mentioned, they've just picked up Teddy Bridgewater from the New Orleans Saints in a £63 million deal, uh, which is quite a lot of money. Uh, but they've decided to let Cam go and move on and move on to Teddy. So hopefully that will make his life a little bit easier there. They've also made a big signing from the Jets, uh, Robbie Anderson. Uh, don't really know much about this guy, but apparently he had 52 receptions from the Jets, 779 yards and two touchdowns last year. So considering their offense wasn't particularly great, he was still quite productive. Other than that, there's not an awful lot going on with them at the minute. They're, they've lost quite a lot of the, their best players over the last few seasons, and as well as getting a new head coach, they're definitely going to have to aim. Um, they're in a little bit of a rebuild at the moment. Um, famous fans, you're looking at Steph Curry, uh, P. Diddy did try to own him. Apparently, he's a fan. Um, Brooklyn Decker, the model. Uh, NASCAR driver, Austin Dillon. Uh, any questions? Um, how do you think they're going to do next season? I think they're going to be awful, to be honest. I don't think they're going to be great. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm going to be honest. In my opinion, they've lost a hell of a lot of talent on that team. You've mm -hmm. lost Keekley recently, who was, you know, one of the best linebackers in the league and has been for a while. You know, yeah, you've still got C-Mac, but you've now you've lost Cam. Um, you've picked up Bridgewater, which will hopefully do a little something for them. But other than that, they don't really have a lot of big playmakers on that team. You've got Greg Olsen, who's great, but is incredibly injury-prone. Do you think they've treated Cam Newton right? Uh, no. I don't, I think it is a little bit shady the way they've gone about letting them go and not being as forthright and as honest as they could have been, especially when someone has been as such an integral part of that team for so long and has carried literally carried that team on his back for so long to just kind of do him dirty like that I think's a little bit little bit mean. I'm really trying to think about a question about the Panthers. 
Well, I've got a question for you. In my opinion, I, I quite like jerseys. So we spoke about this before. This division is one of my favourites for jerseys. I think there's quite a lot of nice jerseys in this division. <laughs> Who do you think's got the best jersey? I have a Falcons jersey. I have a Julio Jones one. The Buccaneers, obviously. <laughs> they have bold jerseys, I'd say. I like the Bucs numbers. The new jerseys look a lot better than their old ones did. Like the new one oh, this year. I thought you meant the uh, the one with the digital numbers. That was horrible. Yeah, no, no, they've got rid of that now. They've got new ones, apparently. Yeah, that one with the digital digital clock numbers was horrible. You can't really go wrong with black and gold, so the Saints have gone nice and basic, but I I do Mm -hmm. like the Falcons jerseys. Yeah, black Falcons or white Panthers, I think. Yeah, I do love a Falcons jersey, but I do quite like the, the blue Panthers jersey is i think it's a nice shade of blue apparently their own color they created it little fact there but it's a i think it's a nice shade of blue it's a nice, it looks it looks good whatever kind of team they go up against it doesn't really clash much all right well final pictures then why should why should we support the team right okay so why should you support the atlanta falcons uh support the falcons because they've never won a super bowl before that first moment, I know Tim used this as a reason to support the Lions uh, when we went did our first episode, but getting that first Super Bowl win, you'll be there with all the other um, Atlanta fans there. The Deep South's an interesting place to go and visit. Uh, I know a lot of these teams are in the South, but uh, Georgia seems to be one of those states that's a bit crazy. And if you like your rap music, perfect. There you go. Big reason. Tim? Support the Saints because you'll have a cracking time watching the games and you'll have a cracking time if you go to New Orleans, whether they win or lose. Matt? Support the Buccaneers because you get to go to the Sunshine States to, to see them play. Um... You've all gone geography-related. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to watch the big man himself, Tom Brady, throw into two great receivers this season. Get, get ready for a, a swarm of bandwagon fans. Oh, it's, Imagine it's not, it's not going to be nice to be seen as one of those teams. Next there'll be time. a lot of people with Boston accents rocking up in Tampa. No, soon. no. So it's you're telling me in. I should uh, cancel my shirt order? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get the Buccaneers on instead. <laughs> Craig. Yeah, so if you, it'd be a great place to visit, great sporting area. You got a lot of different teams, great food, great scenery. Like, it's, you know, you don't want to be a bandwagon fan. They've never won a Super Bowl. It's the, one of the younger franchises in the te- in, in the league, so they don't exactly have a lot of history, anything like that. So you can sort of get on board while the team is still young and, and really get behind them. Plus, the, the, the jerseys are nice. It's a nice colour blue. So if you, you don't want an ugly jersey, do you? Let's be honest. All right. Well, that is the third episode of Pick a Team with the NFC South. Uh, if you've got any questions or want to know anything else about the teams uh, please do get in touch with us uh, how can they do that joe yep so you can find us on twitter or instagram at tafs underscore uk or go on facebook uh, type in that american football show and we should pop up all right and boys which team do we do we like now uh it's an issue because I've got on. a soft spot for the Falcons and the Bucks. 
I'm going with the Panthers because Craig's did such an amazing job selling North Carolina to me. I want to go to holiday. <laughs> I should get a new job, mate. It's a holiday rest down that way. Uh, personally, I think I'd go with the Saints. I think the Falcons are probably my favourite jersey in this, but I, I, I'd go with the Saints. I quite, I quite like the Saints. I, I'm going to agree with that. I'm also going to go Saints. Uh, Tim, you sold it well. Plus, you're right, going to like Thank Louisiana. You. And New Orleans, Bourbon Street, all of that does seem very, very tempting. So, so the first Super Bowl I watched live that when he when he beat the Colts, I I still particularly remember that play right near the end of the game. The Saints were backed up right by um, right by their goal line. Manning, Peyton Manning, the machine he was, looked like he was certain to score. Throws the ball and he gets picked off. And I went nuts, mate, because I was back in the Saints all all day because I was not the biggest Peyton Manning fan at the time. I was sick of he was a bit like Brady. I was sick of watching him win. So it was nice to nice to see him lose and the underdogs win and especially in the in the wake of Katina and never, and I think that city really needed it. You know, a lot of the a lot of the fans that were at that game lived in that stadium after the hurricane hit where he opened his doors to the locals and that. So it was nice nice to see them win. I think the Saints started the second half off with an onside kick. Which is that's some yeah. pair of cojones. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a brave game by the Saints, but it was an, it was a definitely it was you know hooked me. It was the f- first live Super Bowl I seen. Great game. I'm going to take the Falcons because I've been to the stadium and it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, the old Mercedes Benz. Yes, yeah, got to mention that actually. Yeah, unbelievable stadium. Matt, how about you? If you had to choose another team outside the box. <laughs> I mean, I love watching Drew Brees at quarterback. I absolutely love it. I think he's he's a joy to watch. So yeah, Brees, I'd have to probably go. Brees, Brady, and Gurley in the same division. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hottened up even more than it usually ever has, and now the Bucks are actually in contention within this division as well. It makes it a lot more spicy. There's going to be some interesting matchups. You've got Breeze going up against Bridgewater, who obviously they were teammates. You've got um, Breeze going up against Brady, and then you've got Matt Ryan in there as well. So there's some quite good QBs in this division. All right, well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Anything else we need to say before we go, boys? You've also got some great receivers now thinking about it. Thanks, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> no, Thanks think about it though. On, you've got you've yeah, you've got like Julio Jones with the Falcons, and then you've got like Evans and Goswin with the Bucks, and you've got Michael Thomas with the Saints, and you know the Panthers have got see Mac like DJ but, Moore's pretty good for the Panthers. Yeah, like it's uh, um, it's yeah, it's definitely going to be an offensive heavy division, I think, and it could be a division that will tear itself apart a bit because it is so competitive. But I guess we'll see. Or we won't. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me on, lads. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Always, yeah, always yeah, a cheers, pleasure. Mate. Good luck uh, for the next season, Bucks. Appreciate it. Go, Bucks. Defend again. <laughs> Keep pounding. Welcome to that America football show. Um, I fucked it up. Uh, welcome. <laughs> it's a good start, Adam. <laughs>